Well, I invite you this morning to take your Bibles and join me at the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. Your Bibles, your electronic devices, or the Pew Bible, it's the, the second book in the, the New Testament. Right after the Gospel of Matthew, we come to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1. We're beginning a new series this morning on the Gospel of Mark. This series will go for the next 15 weeks, so 16 weeks in the Gospel of Mark. There's 16 chapters in the Gospel of Mark, so each week we're going to be preaching a message from each of the chapters. So we're not going to be going verse by verse through the entire Gospel of Mark, but every week, like this morning we're chapter 1, next week chapter 2. And so for the next 15 weeks, we'll be doing this 16-week series on the Gospel according to Mark. Uh, This morning we're going to look at the first 11 verses in chapter 1. So please follow along with me. As I read, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water immediately... He saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your holy word that you have given to us to lead us and to guide us. And Father, we pray this morning that as we work through this passage of Scripture, we ask that your Holy Spirit would illumine us, give us understanding of your Word. We pray that you would challenge us. May your Spirit challenge us in our lives that anything that we are doing that is unpleasing to you, that we might be willing to set that aside in following you. This morning, Lord, we pray for our body of believers. Father, we pray for many who could not be here today because of sickness and illness. And Father, we pray for many who are are sick 
with the COVID virus, Lord. Father, we pray that you would reach down and touch them and heal them. And Father, we pray that you would uh, bring to an end this plague that is affecting people all over the world. Father, we would pray that you would be with those in our body who are mourning because of the loss of loved ones. And Father, I pray that you would come alongside them, encourage them, strengthen them, comfort them, as only you can do. Father, for those who are struggling spiritually today, as we enter into this new year, will you help them to make a commitment to follow you and to serve you, Lord? And will you come alongside them and strengthen their inner being? Father, we pray for our nation this morning as well. We would pray for wisdom for our leaders. We would ask, Father, that godly decisions would be made and people that are in power would make decisions that would align with the truth that comes from your word. And Father, we just ask this morning now, as we look into your word, we ask you to speak to our hearts and to draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we approach the Gospel of Mark, I think it's needful for us to have some background on this particular book. Uh, This Gospel, the Gospel of Mark, was primarily targeted to Roman believers, targeted to the Gentile crowd, not to the Jewish crowd. The Gospel of Mark actually has fewer references to to the Old Testament than any of the other Gospels. The Gospel of Mark doesn't spend much time dealing with the Jewish people and their interactions with with a focus on the Jewish religious leaders. Matter of fact, the Sadducees are only mentioned one time in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark presents to us Jesus as the suffering servant. His focus is on the deeds of Jesus. So as we go throughout this Gospel, unlike the other Gospels, we're not going to see a lot of the discourses or the teaching of Jesus. Instead, we're going to see the things that Jesus does, the actions that he takes. We have the stories of what Jesus did and how it affected people around him. Uh, Because it is targeted to a Gentile audience, Mark starts with the ministry of Jesus in its beginning. He doesn't talk about the birth of Jesus. He doesn't talk about the lineage of Jesus. He just picks up the story as Jesus is beginning his ministry. And throughout the book, Mark over the other Gospels really is going to stress the humanity of Jesus. Uh, Mark, more than the other writers, will emphasize Jesus' human emotions. He'll talk about his human limitations. And just as a side note here, whenever we talk about the limitations of Jesus, it is voluntary limitations by Jesus. Jesus choosing not to always use his attributes. 
Certainly, we see Jesus using the attributes of God. Remember, his disciples will say, when he calms the wind and he stills the water, who's able to do that? And so, uh, but Mark will let us know, he'll talk about Jesus getting tired. And if that is hard for you to comprehend, uh, we're in this together. Remember, Jesus is the God-man. 100% God and 100% man. And Mark is going to give us that focus as he's writing to Gentiles of more the humanity of Christ as opposed to his deity. Now, he's going to point to his deity, and we're going to see that. We'll see that right at the very beginning from the very first verse but his focus is to present Jesus as the perfect servant, as the one who suffers as a servant because he is following after God. Now, we need to talk a little bit about the author of the book. It's pretty much universally accepted that the author of the Gospel of Mark is a man that is spoken a lot, is spoken a lot in the book of Acts, talks about him is a man by the name of John uh, Mark. Uh, John doesn't really mention himself. John Mark doesn't mention himself in his gospel. There may be one reference to him in the gospel where an unnamed young man, as Jesus has been arrested, goes to follow him and then runs away. Uh, But other than that, John Mark does not mention himself in this gospel. Uh, He's mentioned, as I said, primarily in the book of Acts. There we will learn that his mother's name was Mary, and that Mary's home was a place where the early church in Jerusalem would meet together to pray and to worship God. John Mark was also a helper with Paul and Barnabas on their very first missionary journey. As a matter of fact, Barnabas is an uncle to Mark. And so when Paul and Barnabas went out on their very first missionary journey, John Mark went along with them. But he didn't stay with them very long. Uh, As they came to uh, Pamphylia, And as they were in uh, Cyprus, uh, there was very little fruit there. As far as we know from the Scriptures, we only know of one person who accepted Christ as Savior. And there was a lot of opposition and demonic activity going on. And it seems, though we're not told why this happens, John Mark left Paul and Barnabas. Uh, The Bible doesn't come out and say this is why he left, but it's pretty much implied that, you know, things didn't go quite the way he expected them. They were a lot harder, and therefore he took off. Uh, At this time, we should remember that John Mark is probably a young man, uh, this being his first experience going out in ministry he was probably surprised at how hard the work was. But regardless, 
he left. So Paul and Barnabas completed their first missionary trip, and then the Apostle Paul wanted to go back and revisit the churches that were established. And Barnabas was all for that, but Barnabas wanted to bring Mark along when they went back to revisit the churches. Now, let's remember, Barnabas is John Mark's uncle. Barnabas is also known in the Scriptures as the son of encouragement, always encouraging people, always building people up. So, the, so those in the early church were always encouraged. That was the type of personality that, that Barnabas had. Do you know people like that? People that just whenever they're around you, they're encouraging you, they're building you up, not tearing you down. You probably know some that are always tearing you down as well. But Barnabas was known as a person who was building people up. He's the son of encouragement. So when Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to go on their second missionary journey to go back and visit the churches, Barnabas has said, okay, we're going to give Mark a second chance and let him go with us. However, on the other side, you have the Apostle Paul. Uh, Now, Paul seems to be a lot of things in the Scriptures and seems to be a very gifted individual. But mercy and encouragement was probably not Paul's gift. And Paul's attitude is, he left us on the first trip I'm not taking him on another trip. Son of encouragement, Barnabas, we need to take Mark up. He's valuable. He can learn. Okay, he made a mistake, but we need to give him a second chance. Apostle Paul, he had his chance. When the going got tough, he fled. I don't want that kind of person with me on a missionary trip. And so great was the disagreement between them. You can read the story in Acts chapter 15. So great and so sharp was that disagreement that it breaks up the team of Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas takes his nephew, John Mark, and he goes elsewhere. Paul takes Silas, and he goes back to revisit the churches. Now, who was right in what occurred there over John Mark? And you can imagine John Mark being at the center of the breaking up of a very great missionary team. Who was right? The Scriptures doesn't, do not come and say Paul was right or Barnabas was right. We do get a glimpse later on that John Mark becomes valuable to the Apostle Paul. He becomes a fellow worker of Paul's. And Paul will even write later, send John Mark to me because he's beneficial to me for the ministry. Well, who was right and who was wrong 
I think there's probably points that each of the individuals could have made. But let me tell you this. Obviously, John Mark got a second chance. Barnabas saw the potential in him. He gives him a second chance. And later on, the Apostle Paul recognizes that here is a person that is beneficial in the ministry. And in addition to that, one other note about the turnaround of John Mark is the very fact that we're studying this gospel, right? He is later used by God to write a book in the Bible. I would say that makes him pretty useful, wouldn't you? John Mark needed a second chance. Let me ask you this morning. Do you need a second chance? As we go into this new year, we can't do anything about what is behind us. That time has been spent. We cannot go back to yesterday, but we can look to the future. And I want you to know we have a God who is a God of second chances. We have a God that no one is beyond his grace. No one is beyond his mercy. And no matter what you have done in your past, you can still be useful to the Lord in moving forward. The world always loves the story of an underdog, right? Uh, over Christmas, I went to see a, uh, a movie that's out called The American Underdog. It's the, the story of Kurt Warner, undrafted in the NFL. He was working at a grocery store stocking shelves. He ended up playing three years in the Arena Football League before someone gave him a second chance. And he ended up becoming the quarterback of the St. Louis Rams and ultimately led them to a Super Bowl 34 victory because someone gave him a second chance. I don't know what you've been told in, in your past, what's been communicated uh, to you. But you don't need to listen to those words. You need to focus on serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, I think, just for a moment, think who it was that was saying, uh, we're not taking John Mark, he's a quitter, I'm through with him. That was none other than the Apostle Paul. Maybe the, the greatest of all the apostles who is saying, John Mark, you're not profitable. But later, Paul changes his opinion. And friends, if God is speaking to your heart and calling you to do things, don't listen to the voices around you, regardless of who those voices happen 
to be. God has a plan for you, a plan to use you, a plan to bless you, a plan to encourage you. Look what happened with John Mark. That's the author of the book that we're studying. The next thing I want us to see in the passage this morning is the good news. The good news. Verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning. It almost sounds like going back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning. It's the beginning of the good news. And notice as we've talked about, he's not going to talk about the birth of Christ. He's starting with the beginning of the ministry of Christ. The beginning of the gospel. Now the word gospel means good news. And whenever you find that word in the scriptures, you should pause and ask yourself, good news about what? Good news about what? I can remember uh, there, was, there was a class here at our church. We had some individuals coming in teaching, and uh, the one night they were talking about the gospel, and they, he asked, the teacher asked the question, what is the gospel? And several members of Maranatha Bible Church spoke up and said, the gospel is defined for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Christ died, he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And I thought, guys, you're right on. You've hit it. That's the gospel of grace that we preach today. And the teacher of the class said, no, that's not it. I thought, what do you mean that's not it? No, it has to be more than that. Well, whenever you see the word gospel, what do you do? You ask the word, the question, good news about what? Now, the gospel that we preach today is exactly that, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Mark is talking about, when he talks about the gospel here. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus. Let's break that down. Jesus, speaking about the humanity of Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ, anointed one. This is identifying him as the Messiah, the one that was promised in the Old Testament. Even though Mark is not writing to a Jewish audience, he's making it clear there was one that God had promised who came, the Son of God. The good news about the Son of God, that God came from heaven to earth. That's the good news. That's the good news that we're going to see throughout the gospel of Mark. This is the beginning of the gospel. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Put it all together. Jesus, humanity. Christ, the anointed or the promised one. 
the Son of God. God came from heaven to earth. That is the good news. That's good news that we preach and that we teach who Jesus is. And we preach the gospel of grace that this Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth for a purpose and he went to the cross and he died and he rose again on the third day from the grave. That is good news. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you need some good news? Are you tired of all the bad news that we hear about? Be careful if you don't want to hear bad news, don't turn your TV on. Don't watch the news, and I don't care what channel you watch. We see a world that is filled with problems that is filled with issues, that's bad news. There's all kinds of bad news out there, but there is good news that Jesus Christ came. And that Jesus Christ came and he went to a cross and died so that we can be saved. And friends, as you start this new year, you need to start with good news. And the good news is God loved you, and he loves you, and he sent his son so that you could be saved. Listen to the good news. The next thing I want us to see in our passage is the forerunner. The forerunner. Verse 2, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, right, hundreds of years before Christ came, Isaiah the prophet wrote this, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Right, hundreds of years before Jesus came, it was predicted there would be a forerunner, one who would come before the Messiah and proclaim him and point to him. And then Mark identifies for us who that forerunner was. Verse 4. John, we're talking about John the Baptist here. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness. Now notice where he is. He's not in the city. John the Baptist is not a city boy. He's out in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, one thing I want you to note here, this is not believer's baptism. Believer's baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. John's baptism is a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Now, this baptism of repentance is implied in believer's baptism because in order to become a follower of Christ, you must repent of your sins. You know, the coming and following Jesus is believing in Him, but it also involves a change in our direction. The change in our direction 
is what we call repentance. Repentance and belief go hand in hand with one another. They're opposite sides of the same coin. Proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him. Now John has become popular because he's very different and he's out in the wilderness. And all the people are going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. So we see this baptism of repentance. They are confessing their sins and being baptized as a symbol of them repenting of their sins. Verse 6 says, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt about his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Different type of guy, right? You know, I've always thought in the past, especially if you read about John the Baptist in the other Gospels as well, I've always wanted to do a series on John the Baptist. And when I got up to preach, I wanted to have someone break through the back doors, uh, dressed the way John the Baptist would be dressed, and preaching the way John the Baptist would be preaching as we listen to his, as we have words of his sermons in the other Gospels, as he confronted people. I don't think that would be a real popular preacher today in our country. In this time of feel good, build everybody up, someone walking and say, repent of your sins. You know, walking up to someone and saying, you're a soldier, you're beating up on people, stop it, repent. You're a tax collector, you're stealing from the people, stop, repent. How do you think that would go over in our world today in the church? But that was John the Baptist. See, God sent John the Baptist as the forerunner. And as you study the scriptures, you couldn't find more of a contrast between Jesus and John the Baptist. Jesus will even point that out. John comes in one way, and you reject him. I come just the opposite, and you reject me as well. But they were both preaching the same message. So this guy, we go on and read in verse 7, and it says, And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I. All right, John is always, John will say, He, speaking of Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. And we see this right at the beginning of his ministry. He said, Hey, there's someone coming after me. I'm just preparing the way for him. And I'm not even worthy put his sandals on. He says, the strap of whose sandals I am unworthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water. The word baptized means to dip, to place into. Those of you confused on the mode of baptism just need to ask yourself if the word baptized means to dip, if whenever we see it happening in the scriptures, there seems to be much water there. And if the picture given to us is that of immersion, 
I think anyone who honestly studies the scripture and the meaning of this word will come that the mode of baptism was dipping or placing into total immersion in water. It wasn't sprinkling, it wasn't pouring. It was immersion in water. He says, I've baptized you with water. Remember, a baptism of repentance. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will place you into the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to go into this morning a great long discussion on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just suffice it to say, being baptized by the Spirit means to be placed into the body of Christ. And that's what Jesus does. So let me ask you this morning quickly, do you need to be baptized? Do you need to be baptized? And I'm talking about, do you need to repent of your sins, put your faith in Jesus Christ? And if you've done that, do you need to be baptized, taking that step of a public profession of your faith in Jesus? If not, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Call the church this week, get on the list, make your public profession. Of Christ. The next thing I need to cover quickly is the baptism of Jesus. In verses 9 to 11, we read how Jesus comes to John, not because he needs to repent. Jesus didn't need to repent. He was not being baptized to show he was repenting of sins. He was being baptized just to show an example to others and of their need to be baptized. Matter of fact, Matthew will talk about, John will say to Jesus, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. And though that was true, it was part of God's plan for Jesus to fulfill all righteousness for him to be baptized. And when he did, the heavens were torn open and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved Son, With you I am well pleased. God speaks from heaven. God sends a sign of a dove descending upon him to make it clear. Jesus is his son. And God is pleased with him. And he is the one we should listen and follow. So the question is this morning, do you need to follow Christ? Do you need to follow him? So as we wrap this up this morning, just three quick questions for you in closing. One, do you need a second chance? God's grace and mercy will provide that second chance for you. Just confess your sins and commit yourself to follow him. Do you need to repent? Have you never come to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Are you willing to turn from your sins and turn to Christ? And you need to follow Jesus. He's the one and only way of salvation. And he is the key to your life being successful. And when I say successful, I don't mean in the world's eyes. I mean before God himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word Father, we just pray that you would help us to appreciate all that you share with us. 
Father, I pray right now for those who need a second chance, that their hearts are heavy and burdened. May your spirit lift that burden and help them, Lord, to put what is behind them behind them and to move forward. And Father, I pray for any here who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that they might put their faith and trust in him. And Father, I pray that you would help us as individuals and as a church to follow you throughout this year and throughout the rest of our lives. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.